Can't you hear it? Like what you mean? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. Uh, this is your host Darren. Uh, this is episode thirty-six of the Superpowered Fancast, and it is the first episode of the new year. So, welcome to two thousand eighteen. Uh, I hope your holidays were amazing. I hope your New Year's was fun. And I hope the rest of the the year is as uh, fun as and eventful as you want it to be. Uh, I'm hoping in this new year that I get to do a lot more of the things that I've enjoyed, a lot more of the things that you uh, you all have responded to. So I'm hoping to get to more cons. I'm hoping to have more uh, interviews. And we're starting that off uh, with this first episode. So with episode 36, uh, I got to, to sit down and talk to one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite comic book writers, uh, Scott Snyder. Now, if you don't know who Scott Snyder is, and I don't know how you wouldn't uh he is the prolific writer of the 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 huge dc comics event happening right now and that is uh dark knight's metal uh he is uh responsible for that he's also um one of the writers that he came on with artist greg capullo and uh and really reinvented not necessarily reinvented but really uh took batman to new heights in their run on Batman. He created the uh, Court of Owls. So he's uh, he's an amazing writer. He's, he's uh, writing a lot of things right now. He's, do, he's incredibly busy, and I'm incredibly grateful for him always taking the time uh, to, to sit and talk with me because it's, you know, he's, he, he's, he's the man of the hour. He's got a lot of stuff going on, and I am always grateful that, uh, that he'll take the time out to have a talk with me. Um, and we got to talk in this episode about um, the the final two issues of Metal that are coming out. We got to talk and tease a little bit about some projects he has working on uh, that he's going to be working on in the future. We talk about his process, like what he enjoys, like what events kind of uh, influenced him uh, in the making of, of Metal. And we get to talk about uh, a new comic that he he's working on uh, with writer uh, Tony Patrick and that is Batman and the Signal and that's all about uh, Duke Thomas so I'm going to go ahead and just uh, you know let the <laughs> let the, the interview go as it does but I do want to talk about uh, one of the things that we're doing with the Superpowered Fancast this year is that we're looking for uh, sponsors we're looking for advertisers and if you're an advertiser, if you advertise on podcasts, if you want to advertise on a on a podcast that covers uh, pop culture and geek culture and comic books and movies and has interviews with uh, with uh, creators on it, uh, then Superpowered Fancast is definitely something uh, for you. So you can actually find us. You can find our listing on uh, advertisecast.com slash the Superpowered Fancast. We'll go ahead and have that in the notes uh, for this episode, but go ahead and uh, leave us a message. We have some. Uh, it's we are very reasonable, and I can absolutely guarantee you're going to get a lot of advertising on a lot of different platforms. So, uh, without further ado, 
this is my new interview uh, with Mr. Scott Snyder. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, uh, let me know. Um, you can comment on this episode and rate and review uh, the episode on iTunes. Um, like I said, we're available everywhere, but you can uh, definitely rate and review us and let us know how we're doing, what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of, if you'd like to hear uh, another uh, interview with Scott uh, soon, or you know, if you have any questions for Scott himself, uh, just go ahead and, and rate and review us and let us know. But uh, I know I keep saying without further ado, but it keeps I keep a doing. But what I am going to do now is turn it over to Mr. Scott Snyder. Hey, Darren. Hey, Scott. Hey, how are you doing, man? I'm sorry uh, it has to always, we always wind up talking so late. But, um, oh, no, not at all. New Year's is good. I mean, I got to um, spend it with the kids and uh, my wife. She got like a rare night off, so that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> That's yeah. great, too. I'm glad. Yeah, we were really low key here. We had, I had Charles Sewell up and uh, and uh, and uh, his wife and kid. His, her, his daughter is closest our son, our older son, so mm-hmm. they're about the same age. So they came up, and my little one kind of chased them around. So. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it was funny. It was funny. But I'm excited to, um, to talk everything, dude. So, yeah, whatever. Um, hit me up with anything. Okay. I mean, I'm, um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I, I'm going to try and not take up too much of your time, but I'm going to do, I'm probably going to have, like, at least a few kind of fanboy questions to throw in here because yeah, I want to. Yeah, because I want to cover like uh, like Metal Four and and Hawkman Found and uh, Batman and the Signal. I just kind of want to like kind of hit all of those things. But um, the first thing I want to ask you is, I mean, um, so, I mean, with the success and and all the positive response to Metal, I mean, is there um, any like and 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 considering like what you what you went through to kind of get your your vision out there, is there any like just a little uh, twins? twinge of uh validation uh with with you and greg for for what you got out there yeah i mean i think it, it's it i mean we were less focused on kind of i think you know uh whether we were right or wrong in terms of some of the pushback or some of the resistance initially to the tone or the name or the kind of the scope of it and all that kind of stuff then we were really focused on just kind of putting something out that we really we really loved as corny as that sounds. So I believed really deeply that it was uh, the right move just because I felt like the energy between Greg and me uh, is sort of bombastic and fun. And the things that we like to work on have a lot of darkness, but are sort of, you know, um, bonkers and off the wall uh, in terms of their, uh, their stakes. A lot of the time it was always, you know, sort of a mission on Batman to try and make it feel like it was the most important, you know, or most dire, earth-shattering kind of consequences for each story or, mm-hmm. or stakes in each story possible. So for Metal, we just, we really believed in this one and felt like, you know, if we went down swinging with it, uh, that would be okay. Um, but we wanted to have fun together also, you know, I mean, he's been my friend a long time and we wanted to do something that reflected the kind of 
humor that we throw around with each other, the kind of love we have for the characters that's kind of, you know, uh, almost uh, partly tied up in their ludicrous nature, <laughs> like, you know, so many of them, Sorrow and Starman and all, and all of it. Um, so I'm really, really proud of it. You know, I really, I'm so grateful, honestly. I mean, I was thinking about it over the New Year's, just how uh, supportive fans have been of of metal, but going all the way back to the very first things that we did together. Um, and it does not, you know, go um, unappreciated, I promise. You know, Greg and I talk about it really frequently. So the fact that, you know, fans have, have been so supportive of this one really means the world to us because it, it is personal. I mean, I said it to you before, Darren, but on the one hand, the story is, is meant to reflect the kind of nuttiest sort of comic um storytelling, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, uh, the mace of Carter Hall absorbing dark energy from the center of the multiverse and dragging down through the anti-monitor's brain the earth, like, you know, just complete craziness. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, at its core, it's a story about the, the feeling, I think, that I've certainly had at times uh, in my life when you kind of wake up having tried something new or explored something that you were excited to sort of um, uh, venture out and, and, and try uh, to uncover and then suddenly finding only um, horrifying answers about yourself, about sort of the nature of things uh, and finding yourself in kind of a dark place where every road just seems to lead back to that same sense of failure and doom and all those things and there seems to be no way out where all you see are these kind of ugly versions of yourself and ugly endings for yourself and you know and, and it's very hard to find your way out of that sometimes so for me I think especially as a kid but now certainly as an adult as well I think one of the things when I look back at the comics that really helped me um, when I was younger from you know everything from Infinity Gauntlet to Secret Wars and they were huge cosmic um, lunacy, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. These things were are out of control in terms of their scope and their soap operatic uh, sensibility and the just insanity that they embrace as part of the kind of comic book storytelling um, uh, DNA. And so metal is really a celebration of that too so ultimately it's a pretty simple thing where it's sort of a story about how dark things can feel and then embraces the kind of uh fun and grandeur and majesty of comic book storytelling kind of in a way to say not only to tell a story but as a kind of nod to the things that have helped me through those moments um and greg as well in really tough times i think mm -hmm. so i it's a personal comic, as crazy as it sounds, and so ultimately I'm really very, very, very grateful that uh, fans have rallied behind it the way they have. I mean, I did not expect it, I promise, to do half as well as it has, and I did not expect all the clients to sell out or any of that stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, we feel like the luckiest guys with the best fans in the world, you know, so yeah. we're, we'll certainly try and keep it up. And I think that's uh, that's kind of, that's a testament to, to what we've talked about before and what you talked about, just kind of like putting everything out there, just kind of leaving it all out on the field. And I think people have been responding to that because you've taken, like you've taken these characters on some, 
some pretty just broad and, and weird places and just corners of the DC universe that, that we've, that longtime fans have either like forgotten about or just, or a new fans didn't even know, uh, know existed. So, I mean, just even from just the processing, you were talking about like uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths and, um, and Secret Wars and how broad and kind of out there they are story-wise. Like, how do you, how do you kind of keep up with, with where you're going with metal and does that does that change depending on um like you know maybe uh you're in the middle of something but then you get a spark of hey this i I would love to include this do you have that kind of flexibility to add new things or take things out in the process or have you just like mapped it out uh from start to finish and no deep with no deviations like how does that kind of process work no, that's a great question. I mean, there's there's the creative um, sort of elasticity of it, and there's like the more pragmatic kind of elasticity of it. So I'll, I'll kind of address it like two different things. Like, there's kind of my process and how I like to work, and you know, and just the kind of creative um, sort of latitude I give myself for space to breathe, um, and that's just different every writer mm-hmm. to writer. Like Tom King, for example, we joke around because he likes to discover the ending of the story a lot of the time as he goes and. I really need to know the ending up front, um, at least my, my version of it initially, so that I know what it's about for me when I start. So I, I know when I start something like metal, the major beats, I have the first kind of, I usually have sort of the first third, the last third, and then a couple beats in the middle, like a turning point figured out, and the middle is where I like to sort of play around a bit. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely room, and there's things that I like to discover just from the art, too. So for example, I mean, in dialogue, so... There are a lot of things that Greg will draw, and I'll realize he did the storytelling so well, my dialogue doesn't really fit anymore. So then I'll change it, and then try and sometimes it'll lead me to discover things about the characters, relationships that I didn't know I wanted to really cultivate as much. So all that kind of stuff. But the basic tenets of it, and the um, the kind of you know where they go, what happens in terms of um, which characters make it out, you know, which characters appear. All of that stuff is really vetted ahead of time with DC, so, um, you know, that the big kind of um, anchors of the story are there from long, long before we start, and the ending I know from the beginning, and then the things that change on a pragmatic level beyond sort of just the creative playing around um, usually come with uh, the kind of spin-off elements, the consequences, so for example, uh, I just finished Metal 6, Greg's working on Metal 6 right now. Um, mm-hmm. there's the story as I planned it from the beginning and that has all of the kind of every kind of comic toy from the story that I could smash together in the bathtub, like smash together mm-hmm. like a kid, the way you, you dream of it. So it has like Batman riding a Joker dragon <laughs> through the sky. <laughs> like it really, it's just so crazy. It's, it's like every crazy moment I've been wanting to do from issue one. So it, mm-hmm. it's, it's loaded. It really is like Greg wrote me <laughs> the other day and was like, this is his favorite craziest issue we've ever done so i'm really excited about it and confident with this one but the once that story that first 32 33 34 pages is done with greg then come all these codas and the codas are the things that um two of them the big ones that lead to my next dc work um Mm -hmm. have been set from long before uh metal was started because they feed the things that i'm doing next and some of the stuff that Tynan is doing next and Williamson have right. been really close to me on this event. Um, but uh, other things, 
for other writers to come in and say, this is these are the things that I want metal to engender for my characters because it has some big levers that get pulled at the end. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's going to be upsetting. I didn't want any metal to be a book in any way that imposed something on another book. Um, and at the same time, like for example, what I was able to do was say, look here, here's here's one thing at the end of metal that happens where by going to the forge of worlds, Superman and Batman come back with something that. Um, allows characters that, I'm trying to say this without spoiling anything, allows characters um, that come in contact with it to to affect um, their neighborhood of stuff in a certain way. (laughs) That's the broadest way I can explain it. (laughs) But what I do is I give the writer that mechanism and say, here, if you want to use this for your story, you can make it anything you want that emotionally fits your character. So you get, the idea is like if you create a widget or you create something that says, hey, this thing makes anybody that, you know, wields it um, do this or there's a monkey paw this or <laughs> whatever it is. And I'm just trying to find a way around spoiling it. Right. So this is just one of a couple big um, elements at the end of metal that I, I went to all the people on the books months and months and months ago, like before San Diego and was like, listen, this is the way metal ends. You guys have story you want to use. Can this affect Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Batman? If not, no worries. You don't have to use it. I can move it away from those characters. Uh, if it can affect those characters in ways that give you story that's organic to the series you're on and just allows you to kind of kick things up a notch, go for it. So luckily, everybody kind of responded <laughs> enthusiastically, mm-hmm. um, and so those consequences develop as we go. So in that way, that's not planned from the beginning. The beat is planned from the beginning, but the ways in which the writers use those those beats, similar with the crossovers, you know, I know who the, the Dark Knights are, and I pitch them who the Dark Knights are in their histories, but the way they structure those issues, the way they write those issues is really up to them. So those things along the way are all built to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. So I try and do that just because the last thing I want to do is like impose consequences on another person's book or force story on a book that people are enjoying that doesn't feel organic to it. So right. it's sort of like with um, when we did Death of the Family or something in a much larger scale here, but back then what we did was we said Joker's coming to town um, and he's attacking the Bat Family Anybody who is on a bad family book, if you choose to use the Joker, you're welcome to use him. If it interrupts your story, you don't have to use him, and I can work around it. So it's the same kind of thing as that. And then, of course, everybody decides to use it. <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, so it's that kind of a thing. So it's a, been a really interesting process. I mean, to be honest, like one of the things that I've always joked around about and been really, you know, vocal about internally but also a little bit publicly i guess is that marvel has these summits dc when i started at least wasn't wasn't as good about that and so you know we, we didn't have the kind of um culture internally of getting the writers and artists together on a regular basis to kind of discuss what was happening and that's really changed over the last couple of years mm-hmm. so with metal it really became kind of a just a an even more intense version of that where we we had multiple summits throughout the year and got to really I got to really work with different writers and artists and it's been a blast it's really it sounds hokey but it's really 
for 2018 because now you know I'm friends with Bendis and I'm friends with the other people who are on the books and some new exciting people who are coming in and mm-hmm. so we've gotten to build a real good set of relationships so I'm really really confident about this year I mean I, I mean I can spoil like zero because pretty soon I guess it will be February, March, April, May, you'll start to see stuff next month. Like you'll start to see the shape of, of what we're, what we're thinking at the end of metal and also how the books will start to line up and, and that okay. we're not really, don't worry. No one's doing like a new 52 and renumbering everything. It's yeah, yeah. Now. There's certainly no, <laughs> there's no plans. I can't speak for like two months from now if there's some crazy decision to do that. But none of that's built into our story planning. We're, we're just planning to sort of, try and reward everybody by just keeping it going and rolling story that's organic to the series that are involved yeah. into those books. And then I'm taking on, you know, a couple new projects and James and Josh and the Benson sisters and uh, Marguerite, a bunch of us are sort of trying, you know, moving around to different, not moving around, but just kind of taking on different books, new books too. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I, I mean, I always, no, excuse me. I just wanted to to know that you guys are like have that ability to kind of work with and around and and uh, just kind of play with all the all the the toys in the toy box and and that kind of was going to lead me to just asking about like uh, I, I don't know if we ever talked about the one shots but I I loved like every one of them I loved the fact that oh, you kind of got that the, those individual. Uh, stories and they're just kind of leading into why they you know why they are I, just that backstory works so well that I mean when you were uh, working with the writers on um, just kind of telling them you know about this about the character they're about to to write the one shot about did they give you a, any insight on one of the dark nights that you hadn't thought of before like um oh yeah yeah completely I mean that that's the joy of it I mean they all they all did that to some degree but like um Liam uh and um and uh Dan Abnett on The Drowned I mean sorry Philip Tan and Dan Abnett on The Drowned um for example Dan Abnett was like well what if she there was so much that he pitched that we just didn't he didn't he didn't put in there himself like um it wasn't me saying don't put it in there um I wish we could have used it um in the series too but he created so much around that character that I loved where the initial pitch was this was I I had a slightly different pitch which was it was going to be uh Bruce it was a little crazier (laughs) it just Mm -hmm. sort of we we didn't have the room to do it where initially it was going to be Bruce's um Bruce in the future there's a terrible cataclysm with with Atlantis and it, essentially the story is about his fear in the face of kind of uh, of natural uh, not natural disasters but huge cataclysmic natural things like mm-hmm. um, you know even if they're they're orchestrated by Black Manta or Ocean Master or Aquaman himself floods things that are just as a human you're incapable of stopping even death right. all of it and so it's sort of these huge forces and so everybody dies in a flood in Gotham uh, and his daughter who was Bryce who is, is essentially brain dead at the time because of this she's taken on the Batman mantle and then he he's old and he decides to sort of put his brain in her body and no. then they fight and I was like it was too crazy and wow. creepy and yeah <laughs> I think so it was a little too it was a little I was just getting a little too I just had 
had this image of like a Frankenstein kind of, but um, mm-hmm. when I was talking to them, they were like, why don't we just simplify it? We'll do the, like in dreams, people gender swap a lot. We'll just do this. It's like, you know what? Run with it. And then he came up with all this cool stuff about her controlling anyone that's drowned, mm-hmm. like so that she would have an army of the drowned. And I was like, oh, dude, I love it. And then he didn't have room to put it in himself. And I wish I could have used it. So there's, there's a ton of stuff like that that really was interesting that way. Pete Tomasi was really um, insightful about the relationship between Diana and Bruce and mm-hmm. what a romance between them would be um, like in his mind, what a, what sort of, you know, draws them together, what really separates them, how they, how the sort of nightmare version of Bruce for her would be somebody who essentially just uh, shows her side of herself that sort of is war unleashed and all this kind of stuff it was, it was really interesting so I mean those those were a joy I mean they really were they really were fun just because uh, the darkness of them also allowed you to watch or me to watch people's imagination blossom in these really twisted ways that I didn't yeah. always expect from them I was like wow that's dark man when James is like I mean, sometimes I pushed a little darker, too. You know, with, like, Batman, you laughs, I was always, like, darker, darker, darker. But every once in a while, someone would come up with something like that and be like, when I was pushing James and being like, we gotta go darker with Batman, you laughs, and then he's like, yeah, the black kryptonite and Superman tears his whole family apart. And I was like, oh, that's darker than I even... He <laughs> <laughs> just took it even farther. Right, so yeah. brother. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was a joy just because... And I don't mean to make light of like the crazy dark, you no, know, no. moments in it, but but they're meant to be Batman's worst, absolute worst fears of the impossible things that might happen, mm-hmm. you know, just beyond the sort of edge of of what he actually would ever be capable of sort of falling victim to, um, you know, in terms of mistakes. You know, even if he made the mistakes that these Dark Knights make, he still would never go down those paths. That's why they exist in the Dark Multiverse and not the Multiverse. Yeah. So, you know, we feel comfortable sort of going as dark as we can with them because, you know, they're reflective of what it feels like, I think, when you're in a really bad spot psychologically depressed or those things where what you feel is, I only see the worst possible outcome of everything and they're impossible things. I mean, I've certainly, um, you know, gone through periods of depression uh, and luckily not, not in a while, but... You know, there was there was a period a few years when we were doing right when we started zero year and that stuff. I think I've spoken to you about that it was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. And you know, at those moments, I'm telling you, it's like a switch is flipped in your brain, and you just everything feels pointless, and everything that you feel, you know, um, every every future version of yourself that you see has failed. You know, there is no way out in your head, and every sort of bit of exploration. You know, anything that's like, well, I'm going to try to do this today or make this effort to do this or I'm going to venture out of the house or those things, your brain is just telling you don't. It's all going to come to garbage. Don't do it. And so that's why DeBarbatos is constantly all roads lead back to darkness. Everything you see will make show how you fail. Mm-hmm. Everything is like that. So, you know, we wanted to make something that was really dark and personal in that way and yet still allow it to be almost so so kind of coded in rock and roll crazy that you wouldn't even you wouldn't know it up front. Yeah. So yeah, so it's been a real joy watching people kind of discover their their inner 
twisted rock <laughs> god <laughs> on some of these things. Yeah, and I thought that that's one of the things that I mean, just from what you were saying, it uh, it I was li- I was literally thinking, well, yeah, how are you going to know? Like, uh, how are you going to know how far to take it unless you just take it all the way to the edge? And then, like, if you if you if you take it all the way to the edge, then you can then you can pull back a little and say, okay, well, you know what? Now I've got perspective on where I shouldn't go, and now let's 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 push it to the to this edge and see uh, and see how people respond. So I think that's that's one of the things I've I've actually kind of resp- that I, I that I've responded to with metal has been just take what you were saying just the as someone who has also dealt with with bouts of depression um yeah that's seeing that those roads that seeing basically just kind of seeing the darkness in front of you and not being able to see much else and the fact that you've been able to in this series both give that darkness but still allow the light to shine through is one of the thing is something that is very is something that that works for me in the overall series it's one of the reasons why I love it so much is that yeah it's there are moments when it seems like when it's where everything seems hopeless but these heroes are so resolute in the way that you're writing them the way that Greg's drawing them, that you still retain that hope that it's gonna that it's gonna resolve itself. That something that something's gonna happen. It's like you're waiting for that mo- <laughs> you're waiting for that moment of th- that moment of a- just like pure action joy of you know of breakthrough and that that's kind of what I'm waiting for. And then, and I'm wondering and I'm hoping that well not even hoping I'm sure I'm gonna get it, but I'm kind of you know I'm, that's probably the reason why I'm so looking forward to five. Because like, there's so many things in four that I love that it's just like I, I got to see what happens next. Yeah, five is five is just really fun. There's like a few big surprises and brawling, and and then it just leads to the craziest issue, the Grant issue, which is six is the craziest in terms of me and Greg, like how crazy we could ever go. And Wild Hunt is like crazy in the way that like it's like a story that I would write to the ability of my crazy translated into Grant's crazy mm-hmm. so it's just sort of like it's like triple crazy I'm really excited it's really fun that one and really it's quite it was it was a fascinating experience working with him on it because you realize how I didn't realize how um, involved his scripts are I think with the, the spirit of his writing is just in, totally baked into the script. So he's so enthusiastic on the page where he'll say something to me like, for example, at the beginning, um, he was talking about, uh, uh, I opened it with, because I wrote an outline and I gave him the outline and then expected to pass it back and forth a bit. And then he did this amazing draft that I basically just polished, you know, over a bit and because he so it was sort of a back and forth in that way, right? Did the bones, he did mm-hmm. the whole musculature, and then I did the sort of skin on the thing. And it was like the opening was always Detective Chimp. It's all about the issues, sort of all about the heroes looking for help in the multiverse. And so there's all kinds of great multiversity stuff in it, um, and you know, Final Crisis stuff. But there's also um, some grounded elements that come right from Metal itself, where. Detective Chimp and the science characters are sort of all trying desperately to, to get in touch with these multiversal 
she was bookended with this sense of of this kind of message that he is he's constantly trying to avoid um, telling himself, which is that you know he he was this dumb animal. He learns he's incapable of learning the basic tenets of like a, a simple trick or musical equation. He's supposed to be playing a accordion. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he suddenly becomes brilliant and immortal from the fountain of youth. And now he solves these incredibly complex cases, and he's one of the scribes of the multiverse. But deep down, what he doesn't want to admit is that no matter how smart he is, no matter how immortal he is, he still feels like a dumb circus animal when it comes to the grand mysteries of the universe, and that can be really terrifying. Right. And so Grant took it and was like, so he escapes from the circus, and he's going through the swamp, and he meets the Bureau of, of Paranormal, a Bureau of uh, Super Animals, like Rex, mm-hmm. and all these, Rex the Wonder Dog, and Swamp Thing is in it, and Rex takes him there, and then we meet, like, Scruggs, and it was just, it was, it's like dialed up to crazy 10, you know what yeah. I mean, where you're like, <laughs> and I was like, well, when I'm talking to him about it, and he's like, this is why this works, and he's like, because, he's like, it's the sense of, of of wonder that he would feel and mystery you want the reader to feel bewildered by the crazy of the scene even though it sounds cartoony and nutty that rex the wonder dog shows up that would be like what it was if we found the fountain of youth and we're suddenly growing our uh you know our our minds and our ability to comprehend that rapidly so he made this incredible case in point but it was in the script so it was like mm-hmm. you know and then there's all these jokes about, and by the way, like, yeah, just imagine, like, we're bringing back Rex the Wonder Dog. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. So he's, it was so involved. It was really, he just lived in it the way, when I worked with Stephen King on American Vampire, mm-hmm. and you see somebody who has every ability to phone it in and still write something great, you know, and they don't phone it in, and instead they're just living in the story where their enthusiasm is there on the page so clearly in the way that not just they describe not just in the scenes and then in the narrative but in the literal description and framework and semantics of it all that's mm-hmm. that's inspiring you know when people still are young at heart as writers when they have every reason to be able to kind of do it on autopilot so it was terrific right. so yeah so we got five wild hunt and then six so it's definitely like <laughs> there's a lot of crazy still coming. Yeah, I mean, and, and you got a lot of like really great, great moments in four. I mean that that are amazing. Like I said, like I like I told you before, like the 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 part that really got me was you know you know weird that that I that I attribute to to the writing is we've all as readers been kind of lulled into this this sense of, you know, complacency, just we've been concentrating on uh, the Dark Knights and we've been concentrating on uh, how are they, you know, on the Batman who laughs and Barbatos and, and all of them. And we didn't didn't even think about the actual like DC supervillains like plotting and like being <laughs> supervillains. Like it just it came like the like, I guess I mean, to spoil it a little bit, but just like the black Adam scene just kind of came out of nowhere and just like, boom. Like I just sat bolt upright and I was like, Oh, Oh, and just, uh, and yeah. So that's that's part of it is that, you know, when you start to get into five, what you realize without spoiling anything 
what is the response to depression? Like, what is the bad response? What is the thing that you, or, the, or that feeling, even if it's not literal depression, if people haven't experienced that, that feeling when you really go to a black place in your head where you feel like I, I, everything I do or try to do in my life will end in failure, what do you do? You stop or you, you start making decisions based on that. You stay in the house, you stay in bed, you don't venture out and try anything new, you don't explore, you're not a detective, you don't try and get answers the way Hawkman and Batman do. And all of that is what the villains begin will have done, meaning the real sort of selfish characters would say, I'm going to cut a deal with the Dark Knights, and in the dark, when this world goes, because there's no stopping it, once this world sinks beneath the membrane of the cosmic sort of um, balance and becomes part of the dark multiverse, Lord, the Lord of that world, this terrible demon, Barbatos, will grant me a world in which, you know, Kandak is rules and a, and a empire of sand, an empire of, you know, of, of power, mm -hmm. uh, and I, Black Adam, will rule that. Um, is that is there a minuscule chance if we all pull together our forces and fight Barbatos that we might be able to save this world? Probably not. <laughs> but even if so, is that a smarter? Do you venture out and do that, you know, or try that? Not just given the odds, but given the way that his voice and this kind of this terrible discord of his cry, the whole sort of way he infects you, the way he infected Kendra. Mm -hmm. dark darkens the metal all of that is meant to be sort of again a reflection of the way in which these fears and doubts and feelings of worthlessness and all of that can creep in and and paralyze you so that you're you'd compromise or you you know backpedal or you you know stay in bed the equivalent of staying in bed or trying to sort of you know justify yeah. doing nothing as opposed to taking the risk in your life so that's where these villains start to come in and, and play a role you know so you'll see more there's a lot more fun to be had in five with that as well yeah and, and, and that's what i can see is like is that difference between you know fight and possibly die or you know survive and scheme and that uh i can i can definitely see that but um yeah but i wanted uh to talk about uh duke thomas because I'm, uh, I reviewed Batman in the Signal and I and I really enjoyed it. And then I forgot just even looking at it that is that it's a three issue miniseries. And I was and, and my first question is because I I'm I'm so fascinated with the character and I want to know more about like his his powers and his purpose and all that. I mean, is there was it always going to be a limited series or is it the possibility that we could get an, an ongoing series? Uh, oh, it's always, the... this has always been a limited series. The way all of the um, Dark Matter books are, are initially limited series. So, mm -hmm. for example, Challengers with Andy is, uh, you know, a handful of issues. That one's slightly longer. It's about six issues. Mm -hmm. um, uh, whereas this was three, most of them are sort of three to six. The reason this one was three because Cully could afford that much room. Tony also had a bunch of, um, uh, of projects as well. And to be honest, like we wanted to see how it hit, you know. So mm -hmm. the idea is that um, the the the, the um, response so far, not to get crass, but um, 
certain amount, a couple, you know, maybe 20,000, 30,000, I don't know, you hope for number one, and it's well, well, well above that. Um, so I actually got a call from Dan Didio, <laughs> it was like a month ago, and he was like, uh, three weeks ago, and he was like, I'm calling about the signal, and I was like, oh God, here it comes, you know, is it underperforming or whatever in the initial orders, and he was like, you know, it's selling this, and I was like, oh my God, you know, so I called Cully, and he, Dan called Tony, and it was a great moment, because we really mm-hmm. felt like, okay, well, maybe it has legs, you know? So the hope, that, the thing I'd say to anybody listening is that if you buy it, you know, these three issues, this character will have a place, like they will start an, an ongoing um, at the at, uh, right away. So we could continue just past three, or we could reboot it, you know, same story, just start it over, Batman and the Signal, you know, number one again, mm-hmm. but it would still continue the story, it wouldn't reboot anything. Right. Story-wise, so either way, they're both they're both highly likely possibilities. I would think at this point, and um, the other thing is that it gives the character legs, and if we decide to do a series that incorporates him and other Bat characters as well. So if he moves, and we do a Batman in the Signal, but it also has you know Orphan or Cassandra Cain. I mean, and uh, and Stephanie Brown, whatever. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. there's multiple ways of doing you know, creating really good places for these characters if you guys go out and buy these books. Yeah. Um, my hope is just to keep doing this book the way it is, um, but I'll remove myself from it and just let Tony do it um, mm-hmm. with Kali and with with Laura and that stuff and, um, and do that. I really just tried to guide it because, to be perfectly frank, I just think that in this market, you know, and maybe it's almost to a fault with this book, but uh, I hope not. You know, books need big, high-stakes, dramatic storytelling to just pull you in and, mm. and feel important. And I see that in a lot of books, you know? Like, even the way that um, I just read Thanos, like, the other night, the first mm-hmm. issue to that, and Black, Black Bolt, which I feel like is magisterial and it's cosmic crazy. This, like, you know, it comes in and it's like, it feels like it's going to be the most important Thanos story you read this year where it's just like, <laughs> you know, um, and... That's what we try to do with Duke is to be like, could we make it, you know, much more um, uh, decompressed and try and try and give it a lot more sort of back and forth about, you know, Duke's relationships with the We Are Robin kids, with with mm-hmm. the Fox Center, and I'd love to explore all of that. Don't get me wrong. The moment we have an ongoing series, that'd be great. But for a, for a mini initially, that just sort of test the waters for a character. I was just like, Tony, man, you know, the way I'm going to guide you is as big as you can go, <laughs> just go, you know, like yeah. big superhero mystery, crazy, emotional, high stakes drama. And he was great. He was just like, here's my pitch. He made a Juvie Arkham. He made a secret history of metahumans in Gotham. Mm-hmm. It was just like, boom. I was like, you just went as big as I had hoped. You know, his writing was killer. I love the voice of the character. Yeah. He took everything that we loved about Duke and just sort of distilled it into a mission, into a, 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 a like not just a purpose, but into a psychology that works for him. All of it. So I'm so proud of him. I mean, Tony, mm-hmm. just to give you some background, he was in my workshop, you know, the, that I do for DC mm-hmm. um, last year, and I, I loved his indie work and his scripts were great. And he he made a beeline for Duke from the moment he was in the class and was just like, "What are you doing with this character? What are you doing with this character?" And I was like.
do it in Rebirth, and it just became too chaotic in Rebirth. There was just too many, and it was double ship. Everything was double ship, and it was just like, I don't know how to do it. I can't do that. So there was a lot of sort of, there was a moment before, so I told Tony, but it wasn't, it, you know, the scaffolding, the story, the architecture, all that stuff was still unformed. So I was like, this is this is his purpose. This is why this works for him, hero by day. Because, you know, this is the history of his family. This is this is the way I think, you know, he's always been this character that's been um, butting his head against kind of the, the, the conventions of being a superhero in Gotham. First being a sidekick, he always refused that, never wanted to be a Robin unless Robin was somebody who could be independent of Batman for the first time and be about inspiring new generations of heroes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from the moment he stepped on the stage in Zero Year where he's saying, Batman, you can leave Gotham, I'll, I'm going to get smarter with these crossword puzzles and fight the Riddler myself when he's like 10 years old, you know, to now, he's always been that fiercely independent spirit. And so, you know, I'm saying like going out by day, having a different city for himself, having different new villains that grow and crop up, you know, having new threats, all of that is is built into the DNA of the character. So Tony really took it and ran with it. And I just hope people enjoy it. I'm really, I mean, I just, again, I just sort of, Everything you like about it, hopefully, um, I really like it. So everything that anybody likes out there, all credit to Tony and to Cully and Laura. Anything you don't like, you can blame on me. 100%. <laughs> but I'm very, very proud of what they did with it. I just tried to be sort of a bit of a guiding force in terms of if it ever felt like it was getting too myopic or too too kind of um, slow for the fact that it needed to – if he ever got timid about, like, you know, making it big mythology for the character big mm-hmm. I was always like dude don't be afraid to go there just go there Juvie Arkham you know because he was like I don't know if I can create a Juvie Arkham it's Gotham I'm like we're doing it you know let's yeah. do it Juvie Arkham let's do it you know hopefully it's sick so all that stuff just so it's, it's been a great experience and Cully just knocks it out of the park too that guy he really brought it and I've always we've, we've been friendly a long time but I've never had a chance to work with him so seeing him world build and these models he does and stuff it's just been great so i'm very 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 grateful to be a part of that team and i'm also just extremely extremely grateful to fans for the initial response taking a chance on it making it sell as well as it has that i'm getting a call from Dio about it you know i mean that means a lot and i promise like my horse in the race because sometimes you get accused of stupid shit where i think people are like Oh, he just doesn't want it. He want they want a new Robin. They don't like Damien or just mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. Where it's like they're trying to leave a legacy with a new character, and it's like yeah, th- nothing could be farther from the truth. Like that's just stupid in terms of you know. I the reason that I didn't get to use. I, I'll be honest. Like Damien, I'm I'm not the most comfortable. I haven't been writing Damien for a long time because mm-hmm. my son my son is ten years old my older son, and I've always had difficulty writing a character and hurting a character that is a biological son of the character I write closely and is my son's age. So I just have a little bit of trouble with that. Um, That said, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it over the last two years. Um, So I've really enjoyed writing Damien. I've really enjoyed having him, you know, be a big part of Bruce's psychology and all the stuff that I've done. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, um, I couldn't really write him when I was doing Batman because he was in Batman and Robin, and there was like a strict tenet to keep those books pretty separate. So point being, um, what Duke is about for me, the signal, hugely, what what it's really about is is new voices and new talent and new... 
new characters in Gotham to keep it fresh, not some extension of the stuff that I've done, but, you know, me being able to say, I've done enough in Gotham in a way that I feel very proud of our, you know, what, what Greg and I were able to build, what I built with Jock and Francesco and all the kind of stuff on the side. And this allows me to try and pay it forward and say, if I can kind of create a little bit of a runway for other people to come in and, you know, make Gotham a bit fresher and new for my kids or for me too as a reader, all of it, that's hugely rewarding. I mean, I, I don't have any horse in the race for teaching other than those things. I mean, Greg teases me a lot where he's like, training your replacement kid, you know, and I'm like, I'm not, because if I do my job right, I genuinely believe the way that I do my job is to make sure that everybody's writing their own voice, helping them cultivate, right. you know, uh, a sense of themselves so that they're writing about stuff they're passionately invested in, in a way that's singular to them stylistically. So that to me is voice, it's that marriage of subject matter and expression that feels organic to this person and it needs a lot of elasticity. That's superhero comics is you have to be able to adapt so that if you get thrown an artist you're not used to or a series of six issues instead of 12 or three issues instead of, you have to be able to learn how to adjust so that your voice is always about the stuff you're passionate about first and then finding a style that expresses that to the best of your ability within it. And so point being, signal for me is getting to watch somebody that I was inspired by in my class come into his own and write with, you know, artists that I think are tremendous and create something that's his own out of um, the stuff that we began to build in Gotham. And that that's just a huge, it's a, it's a hugely gratifying thing. It's why I love to continue to do that workshop and to see Aaron Gillespie come in and help me with challengers and bring all these ideas to it mm-hmm. and to see, you know, it's just great. Like, I mean, James is one of my best friends, Tynan, and to get to see him rock out on Detective, I mean, it's great. You know, yeah. it's, it's that feeling of, I don't know, I'm as proud of that stuff as I am of anything I've written. So, you know, my, I'm very excited about Signal, and I really do hope people see that, you know, it means a lot to us that to try and make something that doesn't feel like uh, just another hero in Gotham or, or a book that's really playing it safe or playing it small. We want it to feel like it's hugely dramatic and has the highest stakes possible. Well, yeah, and I, I definitely get a sense of that because I, um, just just from reading it, I love that, I love the contrast between, you know, Gotham at Night and Gotham during the day. It just opens up so many different types of stories. And, and even just from a, you know, just from, from a character perspective, yeah, I love the fact that, you know, he, you know, he's operating during the day and he's, he's given his own, he's given his own base and just kind of like, you know, I, I see so many, so many possible stories that I would, that I personally would love to read. So I, you know, oh, yeah. I'm, Tony, I'm definitely Tony has a bunch. That's the thing. We really wanted it to be Gotham grows in the day, like the new threats grow in the daytime. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, there's part of me that wishes we had decided we would do more of it initially. Um, I don't know if we could have. I mean, a bunch of the a bunch of the things are sort of three issues um, as well. So it was sort of a tenet, you know, passed down that these were the different lengths, um, right. you know. Uh, but and I didn't really want to switch artists up in order to Tony. Um, that said, 
uh, he's got tons of plans, and I love him. I mean, for all new kinds of young villains, and to bring back some of the stuff with um, with uh, Daryl from Super Heavy, and a bunch of a bunch of stuff that he started planning that I thought was really really big uh, big design and in the best way. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I really hope we can continue it. You know, because I love the character. I mean, he's so different to me, and the idea of a character that is so. Um, <laughs> so brashly sort of hit, uh, his own um, kind of his own kind of hero who right. just sort of decides immediately why well, I, I want to train with Batman but not to be a sidekick to be my own kind of person right. my own hero and then you know that's tried we try to build that in he works at, you know Tony works with kids um, at risk kids and does a comic program with them in, in Brooklyn he's been doing it for a while you know having Duke see the pictures of himself on the wall kids that don't feel protected always by you know Batman and them not because he doesn't try in the narrows he does mm-hmm. but just because they're often you know this neighborhood as we showed in Super Heavy just can get really battered sometimes because yeah. Penguin all these characters operate there all the time um, and so having a hero that seems to know it that neighborhood specifically really well felt really felt felt inspiring and fresh you know in that mm-hmm. way so all of that stuff is we try to just bake it in there so it's really a different kind of series different spin you know everything um as fresh as we can make it yeah so i mean you got um you got uh, metal six you just uh, uh finished that and that's that's coming soon i mean so what are you what are your plans after after metal i mean i know you've got uh, you, you got challenges, but I mean more on a personal level. Are you going to, you know, kind of chill out for a while um, in between things? Or are you just going on to the next thing? And then even with that, do you have any kind of like um, personal, maybe non-DC things that uh, that you're working on, like uh, Witches or American Vampire? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, it's really strange, Sharon. Like every time my contract's up and that, I always kind of take a step back and talk to my wife and try and figure out, you know, uh, where I want to be, you know, creatively. Mm-hmm. And I've had such a good time at DC the last couple of years that there's always that part of me that's like, oh, this is where you take some time away and just, you know, do your own thing for a bit. But they've been really kind to me about giving me a lot of room to do my own stuff on the side. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to try both for a little while longer, I think, um, at least, you know. Um, and so I have I have sort of a big DC mainstream kind of project I'm going to do after metal. I have a couple months, a few months in between, so right. I'm not going straight onto it. Yeah, that's um, how you burn but, yourself out. But, yeah, like a slight, you know, like a slight uh, sort of uh, uh, respite from all of it. And then um, I have the project that I'm I'm doing with Sean, uh, the the sort of. Um, uh, prestige uh, Batman book we're doing together mm-hmm. uh, and then I have American Vampire is scheduled to um, I can't say like the format it's taking because it's part of the part of a Vertigo is doing a big rollout in um, they keep they were posting the date at San Diego um, saying 8, 8, 18 so mm-hmm. uh, summer 2018 they're going to start a bunch of big projects uh, and American Vampire will be a part of that rollout. So um, we're going to do uh, the 
uh, a couple big arcs to finish off this part of the series right in a big in a row we're, we're starting to work on them really soon me and Raphael um, so that and witches I'm working on right now so we decided to do this thing that um, I don't know uh, if it was the most logical uh, sort of decision but I kind of love that we did it anyway just because it's just fun to do mm-hmm. this format but we're doing um, a prelude to arc 2 in this image plus sort of um, previews that comes out every month and we're up to chapter 5 or 6 out of um, 12 now we're basically done with it me and Jock so we're working on arc 2 it comes out in sort of 4 to 6 page installments in there, and it basically tells the story of a character named um, uh, Sebastian Clay. He's, he's um, in this, this takes place about 10 years ago, a little less, but he he's telling you about his upbringing, um, and he's somebody who has been a part of the Irons, the group that Sailor joined at the end of Arc 1 that hunts witches and has been for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, his family has been a big part of this for a long, long time, so it, it sort of tells about his upbringing in the sort of culture of witch hunting and all of this stuff, and it's really fun and dark. Uh, it's about a 65-page um, story, uh-huh. and then Witches 2, he's, not to give too much away, but he's basically Sailor's mentor. He's a couple years older than her, mm-hmm. and she's in the, he's training her, and, you know, showing ropes um, of being part of this organization that's very, very, um, very sort of weatherman-esque in the in the present day. So it's it's a lot of fun. It takes place in the Southwest, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. just sort of almost like prelude to Arc Two, introducing this character, and then and then you see him now, a little older, working with Sailor. So it's a, I'm really really happy with it. But it's um it's funny because it's just so under the radar because it's in there. We were almost doing it to just get get our our groove back and like get into get into it and mm-hmm. then we love this one enough that i really almost part of me kind of looks back being like oh man i wish we just released this one as its own thing but we're going to it's going to come out as a as a, as a um, trade or a, you know it's 60 pages so it's shorter than a, it would be a three issue sort of equivalent of three issues but it it'll come out as a as a inexpensive um uh book you know like uh in print as soon mm-hmm. as we're done with it so it'll come out right before our two starts as a prelude so you'd be able to buy it pretty cheap and we'll release it digitally and all that stuff too so i'm really happy so which is an american vampire underway I have like a big you know kind of dc project and then the book with sean and then i have um the next thing i'm going to do with greg <laughs> so when metal's done he's going to take a little time i think mm-hmm. and then we're going to start something and so i have stuff that's um I'd have a couple, I have some carve-outs at DC to do some small things that are just my own, you know, indie, little indie stuff for me. Awesome. You know, my own sort of, um, start to do my own kind of experimentation and pop-up stuff just for me. So I'm eager to do that with different artists, branch out a little bit. So this year, it'd be really interesting, I think, for, for me, just as the creator, you know, uh, just because I have metal we were saying it earlier, but it's funny, but metal really, between doing AD last year and metal this year, I really feel like uh, just a different sense of confidence about, not that what I'm going to write is going to be any good, but mm-hmm. a different sense of confidence about wanting to try different things. So it within metal, like we were saying earlier, one of the fun things is I feel okay making an issue where issue five has some of the 
most humorous stuff in it that I think we've done with Starro. And then at the same time, um, it has the darkest, most emotional stuff with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman um, mm-hmm. that you'll see in the series. Uh, but zigzagging between that, a moment when they're like, we must get Plastic Egg into the Phoenix canon if we're ever going to raise the Earth, you know, and, and, <laughs> and Starro and whatever, to a moment that's really quiet. You know, that elasticity or that kind of um, that uh, variation within one issue was something I would have been really frightened of a few years ago. You know, and just been like, it can't hold both these things. It can't hold a note that's like this crazy and bright and this mm-hmm. dark and ominous. But it can. That's the thing. The superhero comics, I've learned, like, you can just go there if you set the right tone. And so that's why I think this year is sort of a macrocosm, the year coming of that, where while metal is sort of everything in one book, this will be, you know, one big kind of over-the-top superhero thing, one but, you know, pop-ups that are kind of my own little indie stuff just for me. And then the going back to some more robust, emotional indie stuff like Witches and American Vampire 2. So I'm excited, you know. We'll mm-hmm. see. I'm going to I'm gonna try a lot. <laughs> I wanna, I'm going to go all out this year. I want to capitalize on um, metal just for my own, my own creative mm-hmm. sort of momentum for myself, regardless of the sales of metal and that stuff, just that... I feel I feel like the yeah, my engine going really well fast and you know kind of the fact that metal gave me the opportunity to write so many characters I didn't expect to write and for a long time and and also gave me the opportunity to write different veins where it has the kind of cosmic grandeur of Green Lantern and then the intense sort of darkness of the Batman who laughs and all of that stuff all in one place has made me just really ambitious for this year in terms mm-hmm. of just trying different things, you know, just, just trying to surprise myself, surprise readers in ways that, you know, my hope is that metal has done that. You pick it up and you get, you're getting stuff from me and Greg that you, you wouldn't expect, but that seems organic to us when you look back on it. So the goal is to just keep trying that this year. I hope <laughs> stay yeah. honest, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I can tell you as a, as a fan, any, the, Anytime you have the opportunity to uh, express yourself creatively, I'm, uh, I and many other people are on board to to see uh, to see what that looks like. But um, thanks, man. Well, I really I think it'll be it'll be it's been a lot of fun getting to know you and the and, you know over the last year plus. So you know I'm excited to sort of continue to do this and all that. Okay, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. All right. Have a good night. You too. So that was a new uh, interview with Mr. Scott Snyder. I I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. I love talking to Scott uh, whenever we get the opportunity um, because uh, I think some of my nervousness has fallen away over the course of our interviews. And we just tend to talk to each other as, as friends. And that's something I absolutely value. And I hope that that's something that you all enjoy. And I hope to get to do more of these in the future, hopefully sometime soon. Uh, But in the meantime, I want to thank you again for listening. And uh, please, if you you like the the show, if you like the episode, uh, please rate and review it. If you have any questions, you can always email me at superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. 
Uh, you can read my articles and see uh, see our website and everything that we we have to offer and talk about and our opinions on uh, superpoweredfancast.com. It's all one word, superpoweredfancast.com. And um, you can even uh, access our, our YouTube channel. You just uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash superpoweredfancast. You pretty much find us anywhere. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at superpoweredfan. Uh, and you can also find my uh, my comic book reviews and news items on uh, the Geeks Worldwide Network at uh, www.thegww.com. Uh, until uh, next time, uh, this is Darren for Superpowered Fancast signing off. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!